Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. We are back for the best segment you will watch. It is the Standing A Count, and I'm joined, as always, by Kermit Batia. He is the Ask the Experts podcast host, yep. multiple Emmy Award winner, HBO Sports, and today just happens to be his birthday. What better way to do it than debating some of the biggest topics? Current, first of all, happy birthday, my man. Thank you, Dan. No better way to spend the birthday than talking boxing, talking topics. I know you had an interesting weekend down in Miami, right? I'm still recovering. Uh, <laughs> at the old age of 32 years old, I can't party like I once used to, but uh, I was a great time. Same. Great time out in Miami. I was up at the zone fight. Uh, I spent some time with the uh, Barstool guys at Rough and Ratty. We'll talk about that a little bit, but a big reason why I was out there was to talk with Deontay Wilder and, of course, a big fight that is coming up on the schedule. It's Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. There is no more hurdles, no more big fights in the way between those two. We saw some uh, great shoulder programming that was produced by you, and it starred me as well as some great people uh, in the boxing world uh, over on our PBC Countdown, uh, Wilder Fury. But with the Super Bowl commercial as well, I'm starting to feel like this fight feels big. Do you feel the same way, Kern? This is a big fight, a big event, and you're right. We're starting to get the feel, part of that, like we said, tooting our, our own horn. I, I produced the countdown show. You were on it. But the bigger part of that is that countdown show is on Fox and ESPN, right? This is two major marketing platforms pushing the show. They had press conferences. They felt big. They had Kurt Menefee out there. People in, in mainstream sports are now getting involved. And here's the biggest reason it feels big. It actually is a big fight. You're not selling a, a farce here. You're selling the heavyweight championship. You got two guys that are undefeated. They had an amazing first fight. They're charismatic. They love to talk. And we saw everyone watch the Super Bowl. You saw these spots. And that means sports fans are saying, wow, these guys fought. That looks like an exciting first fight. Oh, they're going to fight again? The awareness, right? The awareness is up. So it's a big fight, a big event. And yes, it is starting to feel big. You know, it's funny because whenever something like this happens in boxing, whenever there's any attention, whether from the mainstream media or there's a commercial for a boxing event that's on something that isn't a boxing telecast, boxing people on Twitter go crazy. They go to Twitter and say, hey, did you see that commercial? Did you see that? And it's kind of like they make a big deal over something where in any other sport it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But this does feel big. This is a time where boxing fans can all gather together and they can be proud that they have a fight like this on the schedule. They can be proud that a heavyweight title, that the heavyweights, first of all, are back in action and they're back in demand because I think as as boxing goes or as heavyweights go, boxing goes. But to see a, an, a, a commercial like that on the Super Bowl yep. with these two guys and it, it felt big and I think that boxing fans should use this as a time to feel proud because we finally have that big moment and I think there's no better fight to promote and push on a platform where over 100 million people watch the, watch the Super Bowl. So you got to figure that they should get a sizable chunk of that will go order this fight, you, you would hope. You, the, the boxing fans are going to watch this fight, right? It's always about getting these sports fans who maybe tune into big fights and they did that with the Super Bowl commercial. This fight has everything except three heavyweight belts. And we'll talk about the person who has those other belts in our next topic, but it has the WBC belt, it has the lineal championship, uh, and it has these two larger than life undefeated fighters. So it has everything except for three title belts. And we're gonna talk about who has those three title belts. 
We spoke about Deontay Wilder, WBC champ. We spoke about lineal champ. Who has the other three belts? Anthony Joshua. And who is he fighting most likely? Kubrat Pulev. Now, here's my question for you, Dan. Are you satisfied with this fight? I mean, yes and no. I'm satisfied because I think out of the list of other suitors that could fight Anthony Joshua and the ones that make the most sense, Pulev is on that short list. And it's funny because when I spoke with Joshua in New York City before his fight with Andy Ruiz, he said, if I win this fight, I'm going to fight a guy at the end of the bar. He said it tongue-in-cheek, and that was a clear shot at Tyson Fury and some of the heavyweights out there that are fighting lesser opponents than Joshua has. Is Kubrat Pulev a guy at the end of the bar? No, but he's a mandatory. When you have three of the four belts, you're going to have a lot of mandatories. You're going to have a lot of guys coming for those belts. So therefore, instead of not giving up a title, he has to fight these mandatories. And Pulev is a guy that was in there uh, with Vladimir Klitschko. He's a guy that's been around. He, he has somewhat of a, a fan-friendly style, or he's trying to make it more of a fan-friendly style. So, I mean, do I want to see Anthony Joshua in there with Fury and, and Wilder? Of course. But this is the case when you are a fighter with holding three belts, you have mandatories. I think that Joshua deserves a fight like this, get it back in the UK. He's a fighter that is acclimating to a new style, and I think that Pulev will be a perfect uh, guy for him to get some rounds. Is Pulev the guy at the end of the bar? Kind of. He's at, he's at the one loss. Uh, only loss to Vladimir Klitschko. I thought okay. you were going to say he's at the end of the bar kissing uh, reporters, but I won't go there. No, no, let's not go there. So he had the one loss to Vladimir Klitschko. Okay, that's fine. That's that's fair enough. The one issue comes into play is Joshua, 30 years old. Pulev, 38 years old. So you're not saying, okay, he's obviously most likely past his prime. In terms of his ranking, he's ranked 14, 11, number one by the IBF, which is why he's getting the shot. He's not ranked by the other sanctioning body. So that's a little iffy. But, but here's the thing. You spoke to Anthony Joshua in New York. He said, I want a tune-up fight. I am usually very much against tune-up fights, but someone like Errol Spence, right? We talked about he was in the car accident. We think he should have a tune-up fight. Someone like Anthony Joshua, you lost your title. It was embarrassing. You got knocked out. You worked really hard to avenge that. I'm okay with you taking a tune-up fight while you wait yeah. for Wilder and Fury to resolve their rematch. Because what is the other option? Him just not fighting or fighting someone else? I mean, there's not that many other good fighters outside of right. Wilder and Fury, right? I mean, he has, to, he has to take the fight. If he wants to keep the belts and he wants to make a unification or undisputed fight uh, with whoever wins Wilder uh, versus Fury, he has to fight those mandatory guys, and I'm okay with Pulev. And if it also sets up a fight in the summer or the fall with Usyk, I'm all for it. I think people will be Totally fine with Anthony Joshua fighting Pulev uh, and Usyk. But Joshua is in a very interesting point in his career. He is the undisputed, undisputed um, or undisputed, unified, sorry. He's unified the unified champion, champion yep. in the heavyweight division. But is he considered number one or number two in the division? No, he's probably three behind Wilder and Fury. So it's interesting with him. He's a guy coming off of, of a new style. Put Pulev in there, have him uh, get some rounds, and then we see Joshua move on. And he, that's something that Joshua deserves uh, at this point uh, in his career. Sticking with the heavyweight theme, Andy Ruiz was once the king of the heavyweight division. Now he is at the bottom. That's how boxing works. He's without a trainer, and a lot of names are being thrown in there. Teddy Atlas, his name uh, has been floated. I want that from a content standpoint. I don't yes. know if it's 
perfect fit from a boxing standpoint. Colonel, ask you, who do you think is the best fit trainer-wise for Andy Ruiz Jr.? Yeah, we know that Ruiz has talked to Teddy Alice. Here's what we know about Teddy Alice's training style. Uh, <laughs> it's military style. Tim Bradley said when he was being trained by Teddy Alice, he couldn't make a phone call. He couldn't break eye contact. So now is a guy like Ruiz, who's now maybe accustomed to a little bit more of a uh, lax lifestyle. We saw that he came into the last fight ballooned up at 283 pounds. The discipline wasn't there. Is he going to be able to gel with that military style? I actually think someone else would be a perfect trainer, and that's Freddie Roach, and I'll tell you why. So uh, Ruiz, I believe, came up in that wildcard system. He's probably familiar with Freddie Roach. But the other part of it is that Ruiz needs offensive help, right? That's what was lacking in his rematch with Joshua. He's not. He doesn't have a shaky chin. Joshua knocked him down. Ruiz popped right back up. Uh, Freddie Roach is an offensive guru, as we know, and I think he'll bring the best out of Ruiz. So that would be my pick if I was to advise uh, Andy Ruiz on who to train with. Not a bad pick, and I think it goes in line with what I'm about to pick for, for trainer-wise. I think that Roach isn't a rah-rah guy. He's not going to get in your face. He's kind of going to lead with his track record. There's no trainer right now that has a better track record at the moment than Eddie Reynoso, and I think he'll be the perfect fit for Andy Ruiz. you got to look at it. He's training, he trains Canelo Alvarez. Andy Ruiz and Canelo Alvarez are friendly. He's a Mexican a fighter as well. And it looks like the Reynosos are willing to add on talent uh, as they go ahead. Look at Oscar Valdez. Look at Ryan Garcia. They're starting to build out a great little stable out there uh, wherever that in San Diego. I think that's where uh, Canelo trains. I don't think that he needs something as extreme as Teddy Atlas, but from a content standpoint, oh, man, yeah. would that be great. Let's Just think about it. In there, right? Just think about the Dank City episodes <laughs> when Andy Ruiz <laughs> is biting into the third cheeseburger of the day and, and then boom! Teddy Alice kicks down the door and makes Ruiz eat his shoe. That would be just unbelievable <laughs> from a standpoint. I don't think it's going to happen, but someone like Eddie Reynoso, who is, uh, has a track record, he's the trainer of the year. Yeah. You know, what? Andy Ruiz needs motivation. I think it's pretty yes. obvious. What better motivation would he have than training side-by-side side with Canelo Alvarez? I think that right there for, for Ruiz will be the best path Yes. So it's getting back to the top. That's hilarious. I'm imagining the scene in Rounders, if you ever remember, he opened the Oreo. You know, it's like Ruiz after training, kind of grabbing, going for the cookie jar, and Teddy Atlas smacking his hand. That'd be great. Um, a couple other names. Uh, ben Davison. He used training Tyson Fury. He's not anymore, right? Maybe there's something there. Maybe I saw on Twitter yeah. someone brought that up, and da Ben Davison said, I he said, I could never train someone to fight Fury. That's my point. That was my point, because maybe if that fight does happen, that's a, that's a secret weapon. It sounds like, okay, he's saying that's not going to happen. Uh, Sugar Hill Stewart, who is now training Tyson Fury, that's someone who's from that Kronk gym mentality. You know, he's the nephew of Emmanuel Stewart, who was always great at turning fighters around and kind of bringing them back. So mm -hmm. that's another person that, that I could see uh, him working with so I, I think there's there's a bunch of trainers at his disposal I just think it's good that he's thinking about making changes right, right. because we know he was undisciplined one last name to throw out there Joe yep. Goosen Joe Goosen's a Great. guy that is, is a disciplinarian but also is a known as a fighter's trainer I think he'd be a good choice as well yep We're talking about the welterweight division and now the uncertainty in the welterweight division. I say that because Errol Spence, we know, was in a car accident. He's recovering. He says he's going to be back in spring or summer. Danny Garcia fought recently. He didn't look great. He claimed he had to lose 25 pounds in eight weeks. Okay. Ugas uh, had a pretty big win, but not a lot of people want to fight him. So, Dan, what do you make of the overall landscape of the welterweights right now? I think the welterweight division, and for a while, has been known as the most reliable division in boxing, with the yep. most that's always been the glamour division. But I think right now, for the first time in a long time, it has the most parity of any division in, in boxing. And that's because of the uncertainty at the top 
with Errol Spence. If Errol Spence comes back and he's fine, we go back to normal and he is the cash cow. He's the best fighter in the division. Take a look at Terrence Crawford. He has never looked more vulnerable than he did in his last fight with, against Mean Machine. I don't care what he says. He got hit with a ton of flush shots. The most punches that were ever landed on Terrence Crawford in his entire career. You take a look at Sean Porter. He is a very game fighter, but he has a lot of miles on uh, the odometer there. Then you look at, at Danny Garcia, who just fought. Didn't Wasn't the most inspiring effort. Ugas, like no. you just said, is a very good fighter, but is a guy that's going to be avoided. With this all being said, is Manny Pacquiao, at age 41, <laughs> the most sure thing in the welterweight division, a division that we thought was going to have all these young lions come <laughs> up? It's now Manny that is looking the best right now, and it just has you thinking, like, boxing is, at this point, you can't predict it. It's yet another decade, I guess, with Manny in the conversation. He's fighting until he's 51. <laughs> yeah, we'll be talking about this next decade, too. Um, it's an interesting time in the welterweight division. So, for a long time, it was Spence and Crawford, 1-1A, one and one a, however you wanted to have it. Now, it's Crawford and everyone else. I know he was vul looked vulnerable against Mean Machine. Uh, it probably should have been a knockdown there early in that fight. But it's still Terrence Crawford and everyone else. But I want to throw some things out there to you uh, that make it a very interesting division. Keith Thurman is going to be coming back from his loss to Manny Pacquiao. That was a very close fight. I was impressed by Keith Thurman's performance. He's right back in the mix. Sean Porter, he lost to Spence. That was a great performance by him. I was impressed by his performance even in the loss. He's going to be in the mix. Here's the uh, the the lob here. Floyd Mayweather posted. Oh, choose. He, he's, he's a welterweight, remember? And he said he's coming back in 2020. Who knows if he wants to fight Khabib. And they said they would fight 11 rounds in boxing, one in MMA. He wants to fight Conor. Who knows? So we may be talking about Manny and Floyd uh, in, in this decade. Um, there's a bunch of other people. I'm going to name one other guy, Virgil Ortiz Jr. He's 15-0 with 15 knockouts. So right. I think, to your point, it's it's not the way it used to be, but it's it's all over the place. That actually could be a good thing. No, right? this is a good thing. I'm glad you brought up Virgil Ortiz. That yeah. brings me to my next point is the welterweight division, we think of just the PBC top five guys. This is a time where guys at 140 are going to move up to 147. The Regis Progres, the Josh yeah. Taylors. Uh, go, uh, Mikey Garcia is a, a name that's in the division as well. I know he has a couple fights at 147 now. But guys like Virgil Ortiz and some of the other guys at 140, the Ryan Garcia, the Teofimo yeah. Lopez, is, I know he's at 135, but eventually he's going to settle at 147. This division that we thought was top-heavy with veterans is going to get potentially turned upside down in the next couple of years, and I think that's a very good thing. It's, it's red hot in a different way, but still a good thing. Kern, it is time for the Canelo Alvarez portion of the show. It's not a show unless we talk about Canelo. Once again, we don't know who he's going to be fighting. We know that Ryoto Murata is out of the sweepstakes, according to his sources, Mike Coppinger. <laughs> but there are two names that are now emerging. It's Callum Smith and it's BJ Saunders. Out of those two, who would you like to see Canelo fight? Well, it's an interesting question. It, as a fan, you'd prefer the more competitive fight. That's Callum Smith. Now, that's challenging for many reasons. Smith undefeated. Uh, he wants to avenge his brother's loss. Uh, the, the bigger part of it is he's six foot three. Canelo's yep. five foot eight. Now, we know Canelo had success against Rocky Fielding, who was six one. Canelo going to the body. This is a whole different beast, right? But an easier fight, maybe, for Canelo is BJ Saunders. He's six foot one. He's looked more vulnerable recently, uh, at, you know, in his most recent two fights. So, as a fan, if I have to go through those two, uh, I'll, I would say Smith. If I'm Canelo, I'll probably take Saunders. We know that it opens up into uh, so many other opponents if we're just looking at from fandom. We'd like to see G Triple G. We'd like to see Charlo, Andre, whoever. So, I would say with those two, 
I would rather see the Smith fight. Right. For me, my, my choice would be, you know, just enter it yourself at the bottom. Like, you know, write it in. It would be Triple G or it would be Charlo, but we're not right. getting that. It seems like we're only going to get uh, Calum Smith or BJ Saunders. And I know I'm going to take a little flack for this. I'm a BJ Saunders fan. I like defense. And there is no better defensive fighter uh, at that weight class and maybe in all of boxing than BJ Saunders. And I think it would be an interesting matchup from that standpoint. Don't expect a really exciting fight between Canelo and BJ Saunders because both guys throw under uh, the weight class average at 168 but Canelo does throw more punches than BJ Saunders per round Canelo is more accurate than BJ Saunders so it'd be like from a stylistic standpoint it'll be interesting interesting to see how if Canelo can land on Saunders who has one of the best defensive fighters uh, in the game but Saunders is a name is a, he is uh, I think a lot of boxing fans uh, know who he is and he's also someone that fights up to his competition we've seen him fight down to competition yes. in his last fight uh, he didn't look that great against a, a relative of no name he fights Canelo I think he takes his training camp very serious he's working with Ben Davison who is an excellent trainer you know he's going to have him ready to go and Ben Davison happens to love the company box punch stats he uh, DMs me on the regular asking uh, for those stats so I think that right there that's a fight that I'd like to see yeah, we, we, we'd like to see that. The, the, you brought up Eddie Reynoso. So Eddie Reynoso was complimenting Sergey Kovalev before that fight came together. Now, if you'll notice Eddie Reynoso's language, he's complimenting BJ Saunders. So that means that most likely that's going to be the fight. You can also sell that fight, right? Saunders undefeated. He's a champion. Um, it's an interesting style. It's a bigger guy, right? So there's there's a lot to sell out there. I wonder if Canelo's looking back at Murata and saying, hey, that was my chance to fight in Japan against a 34-year-old guy with a couple losses. Well, that, opportunity, that opportunity is gone for now, but I wonder if he's looking at that and saying, oh, I wish I could have actually had that opportunity. Well, in Japan. Canelo can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's got the zone by the neck. He's got everyone by the neck. And I think that what he did right here uh, for this fight was a classic uh, Mayweather move. Is he's negotiating. He brought up Murata just to lower the price for Saunders. I ultimately think it's BJ Saunders in May. He probably learned a lot from Mayweather. We know in boxing there's no overarching body to set all the rules. It's a fragmented sport and there's been a lot of questionable, questionable behavior from some of these uh, boxers recently. So let me ask you this, Dan. Is there being enough done to penalize fighters? Uh, short answer is no, and I'll take you through some of the strange things that have been happening and disturbing things, to be honest, uh, outside the ring. We are obviously celebrating a great time in boxing. We have the biggest fight coming up between Wilder and Fury. It's getting pushed on the grand stage, but as we know with boxing, you take one step forward, expect two steps back uh, right after it. Ivan Redcatch, we'll start with the least uh, infraction of them all. Ivan Redcatch bit... Danny Garcia on his shoulder. Did he get a point taken away in that fight? No. Did he get his purse taken away? Yes. And he's suspended for a year? Yes as well. That just shows you that that maybe was a little too much uh, being uh, penalized. Take a look at what we saw. Jarrell Miller. Obviously, he failed those three drug tests. Stone cold cheater. One of the worst cases of doping we've seen in boxing in a very long time. What is his... Uh, how is he penalized? He gets a uh, deal with top rank. He misses six months because of a technicality in New York State. He'll be back in the ring in no time with a fresh new contract uh, from Top Rank and ESPN. And finally, the most disturbing of them all was Javante Davis. This video that emerged from Super Bowl weekend down in Miami, uh, grabbing uh, the mother of his, of his child by the neck or maybe by the jacket, dragging her out of there while on camera, which leads me to my thinking here is, who is dishing out these penalties? In any other sport, Javante Davis is sitting out the, in half of the season. Go look at baseball, and most recently with Domingo Herman, pitcher for the New York Yankees. There is no footage of what happened to him. It is still not known what he did, and yet he will miss 80 games this year, one of the harshest penalties in the history of the sport. 
There needs to be more done in boxing, but who will do this? This has always been the problem with the sport. Someone needs to step up and say, I am penalizing this person, and then we need to hopefully get other people to join forces, make it less fragmented on these type of issues. So if you look at the disturbing video of Tank Davis, it's not exactly to the level of Ray Rice, but it's very graphic, and it's not it's not a good look for anyone, especially an athlete. And it would fall under in any other sport. It'd be you know conduct detrimental to the league or the team, and there'd be some kind of suspension or penalty as there should be um you look with big baby miller that's probably uh that happens in, in other sports sometimes where a, a uh you know a player gets picked up by another team right. and wants to take right. a chance on him the red catch thing is crazy because you're right he, he bit danny garcia no points are taken off during the fight and then he loses his entire three hundred thousand dollar purse uh, that's an expensive bite. Uh, that's so, I, and you know, he will appeal, and hopefully that will go down because that's just too severe, right? So now we're dealing with things that are not severe enough, or nothing happening, or things that are too severe, and that's one of the big problems with boxing. We know it's fragmented, and this just shows that. Now, that's not the sole reason that people aren't as interested in boxing as they used to be, but it's a contributing factor. And if we can get promoters and networks to come together and say things like this, we're going to work together and and make an overarching body. Things like VADA testing, things like that. That would be great for our overall sport and our overall sport and the growth of our sport. Lastly, before we go, the Trotter Davis, he will get penalized. He probably got a stern talking to from the powers that be at PBC, but what it comes down to, it will come out of his pocket on the back end. Less people will want to watch his fights, less people will order his fights, and we know that he wants to be a pay-per-view star, so maybe he'll feel it that way if he doesn't get a formal uh, suspension. He may, but people said with Mayweather's aura, sometimes it added to, to that aura, and people maybe tuned in because of that. Curran, I was down in Miami, as we've illustrated on this show. So was Logan Paul, and so was Antonio Brown, and so was every single media member and celebrity who known to man. They got on the stage, and they stared each other down. A lot of rumors about this fight. Is the zone going too far if they go ahead and put Logan Paul in a ring with Antonio Brown? I can't believe I'm saying this right now. Well, first of all, it's evident you're in Miami. I can feel your hangover from here. I'm, I'm tired. Sure you had a, sure you had very, a good time. Tired. Um, I, I actually think Logan Paul uh, versus uh, Antonio Brown is a good thing. I've been supportive of these YouTube fights, and the reason is I've said that these YouTubers are bringing their audience, and there's a lot of work to be done to have subscribers. So Jake Paul was just on the zone. He has 19.7 YouTube uh, 19.7 million YouTube subscribers. It takes work to put out that content. So I believe, I've always said, you've earned the right now to be on this platform. And I like that The Zone is experimenting. They're seeing what works, if these guys are main events, if they're not, if they're an undercard. How does it work? Also, Logan Paul versus Antonio Brown would be massive in terms of sports fans and appeal. And every time it's mentioned, where is that going to be? Oh, The Zone. Okay, cool. It makes people aware of The Zone. So I think it's a, a good idea, and I think they should move forward with that. Well, I think it's a good idea, but let me say it with a, an asterisk next to it. The asterisk goes next to Antonio Brown's name on, on this card. If he is still showing or displaying this erratic behavior, if he's still getting in trouble with the law, I think the zone comes to their senses, Eddie Hearn, and they don't do this fight. That is what's most important. That is the mental health and the safety of Antonio Brown. If he stays out of the news and he starts getting to training, and I know he wants to make money, I think they, he wants to up the offer to $8 million and he's willing to donate all of that money that he makes for this fight to charity, then, we, then it's fun. Then we can talk about this in a better light rather than a cash grab, which these fights usually are. But I, I, I just don't know where exactly I stand on these fights, but I do know that I am not against, totally against them. I don't understand the people out there, and you'll go on Twitter, and you'll see the, the integrity of the sport being thrown out there. <laughs> Guys, 
There is no integrity in this sport. <laughs> I've been in this sport for a very long time. It is a sport that originated in carnival. So don't be upset when a circus comes into town and they're going to fight on the zone. Another thing is I don't understand those who go out of their way to make announcements that they are not watching something or that they don't support something. Okay, great. It's not about you. Uh, they can put on a fight and you can simply not watch the fight. When, when you go on Netflix and you see a show on there that you don't like, do you write to Netflix and complain, I don't like this show? No, you simply go over it and you do not watch it. I think this fight will be huge and I think it's something that we're all talking about. It's polarizing and it's going to happen, I think, uh, in Vegas around the NFL draft. Logan Paul versus KSI was one of the most highest streamed uh, programs on The Zone. If you look at the YouTube highlights, it's huge in the tens of millions. People want to see this stuff. There's an interest level for this stuff. Even people like BJ Saunders, who was on the undercard of Paul KSI, his followers went up, the awareness went up. Up, right? These are all good things. And to your point, if you don't like it, you don't have to watch it. <laughs> right. A lot of people are, are saying, yeah, you don't have to watch it, but it's it's it, it's ruining the sport. And it, it's look at this, that, and the other. I mean, we live in a world where there's so much content out there. If you don't want to watch, don't watch the fight. We talked about YouTubers fighting. Dan, I know you were down in Miami at Rough and Rowdy. So that's another form of non-traditional boxing, so to speak. So let me ask you this. How should boxing feel uh, when there are these events that are not necessarily the traditional form of boxing? Yeah, this was an interesting week uh, going from the YouTube event uh, for zone on Thursday night right to Rough and Rowdy Barstool's event on Friday. I was invited over to there. I was ringside uh, to kind of check it out what they're all about. Uh, I am a uh, somewhat of a fan of Barstool and I'm, I like how they've been doing these boxing things. But long story short, I think boxing fans should feel flattered that boxing, uh, that the zone is and YouTubers are going to boxing and that a company like Barstool, which is wildly popular, is putting on these boxing events. Are they big, huge, like competitive fights? No, and I think they embrace that. <laughs> Whereas on the zone side, I think that the YouTubers are, are taking it serious and that's good because they're sanctioned fights. Go over to the Barstool stuff. No, that is not sanctions. They were vertically challenged uh, individuals fighting. There were fat guys versus little guys. There was all sorts of walks of life in there. But one thing is for certain, it was packed to the gills. You had NFL quarterbacks there, you had celebrities, you had models, and it was felt like a big event, and boxing has always been like that. I mean, that's the reason why there's so many movies about boxing. It could be a time where someone has goes to a fight for the very first time. They know what to expect. It's a big event, and I think that uh, the sporting event, these non-traditional boxing entities tapping into that, it, it's good. It's fun. For a long time in history, people used to go into big theaters and watch people in combat, right? And that's always going to be that way. And you always see celebrity boxing here and there. You see, like, Screech from Saved by the Bell is involved Danny in some Bonaduce, fight. Yeah. The Bagel Boss guy is involved in some. You know, the, this is always going to be around. And if you look at there's always other forms of it how to make it more interesting there was bkb where they were kind of in like a little bit of a an arena where they slanted towards each other um there's bare knuckle fighting championship right there's a lot of um different types of combat out there and i, I think you're right it's good that people are using boxing as their avenue to settle scores and to entertain us right you come to a fight it doesn't matter exactly the rules if it's mma boxing whatever you grab a drink you're watching two people in combat there's not any crazy rules you can just kind of enjoy that right yeah. and so i think boxing fans should be happy that they that they have this. It was interesting being at that at, at Rough and Rowdy. They actually let me judge a few fights. I got oh. that out of the way. I've never done something like that. Obviously, I've counted a lot of punches. Never actually <laughs> judged a fight. Uh, it was awesome to be able to do that. And you're right. Just looking around the crowd, uh, walking through that venue down in Miami for this Rough and Rowdy barstool, you're seeing models. You're, you're seeing NFL quarterbacks. But they all were watching boxing. And it's okay. As long as boxing stays uh, you know, in the general public, and, and it's, it's, that's a good thing. And I think there'll be a lot more of this uh, going forward.
We know that there was also a lot of celebrities in the crowd, right? La Rob Lowe, uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold, Mark yeah. Sanchez, Dan Canobio as one of the judges. So what was that uh, atmosphere like? It was nuts. It was like a rave mixed in with boxing, mixed in with like a concert. You know, <laughs> Rob Lowe is asking me uh, what's going on. It, it quickly turned to doom when the rain started to come down and it was impossible uh, to get out of there. But, you know, talking to, to Portnoy and, and Big Cat and those guys, they are they love the CompuBox and they love the fact that there was some like legitimacy ringside. But I think one last thing, I think these YouTube fights and these rough and ratty stuff, I think it just shows you how hard boxing is and how yes. elite top boxers are. And I think that is one positive that people probably should talk about a little more. And did Shooter McGavin get out of there? Uh, okay. There was a video circulating of Shooter <laughs> McGavin. I think he's left at the 19th hole, the old sprinkler trick. It was a mess getting out of there, but I survived and I'm here. That is a wrap for another edition of Inside Boxing Live. Got to thank my guest, Kerwin Bhatia, the birthday boy, for joining us for a great segment of Standing 8 Count. Some fights upcoming this week over on Showtime. Gary Russell makes his yearly pilgrimage into the ring when he takes on King Tub. No, I'm not talking about Tyson Fury. Kel Brook also in action this weekend. And as we get one step closer to Wilder versus Fury, we're back next week with more Inside Boxing Live.